Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast. We are live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Your POD cast, your weekly Lions podcast covers everything from A to Z. I don't know. <laughs> I still don't have an intro. I'm bad at this. I'm Jeremy Reisman. I am your interim coach uh, host of this podcast. You can follow me at Detroit Online on Twitter. Uh, we have quite a big show for you guys today. We're going to talk some Senior Bowl. It's Senior Bowl week. Uh, we also want to talk a little bit about the playoffs because we had uh, we had some fun games this weekend. But before I get into all that, I need to introduce the co-host of this week's podcast. With us, as always, Ryan Matthews. Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, how are we doing? <clears throat> doing fantastic. Thanks for having me for another week. I'm not fired. Not yet. Well, you got to keep you on your toes, but all right. Uh, very special second guest with us back on the show, the Wizenator himself, <laughs> Jerry Mallory at Jerry Mallory NFL. Jerry, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, guys. I want to apologize to everyone that was probably going on Twitch or Switch, whatever it's called, around four thirty. <laughs> uh, Ryan was having some technical difficulties, but we got it all squared <laughs> away. So we're good. Huh? <laughs> Throwing him under the bus right away. I love it. <laughs> All right. As as I teased on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the Senior Bowl in a bit. Um, that's a big news. The Lions are down there in Alabama as we speak, watching all the new prospects uh, coming into the draft. It's a big week for them. But before we get into that, it was a big week for four NFL teams this weekend in the conference championship games. And now we have our Super Bowl set. It will be the San Francisco 49ers against the Kansas City Chiefs. Guys, just give me your your overall reactions to to conference championship weekend because I thought uh while the, the final scores weren't very close, I thought there were some entertaining games. Am I am I right? You know, first off, I think we're all universally happy, you know, Detroit Lions fans. We can't get personal victories over ourselves, so we have to root uh, by means of other people. We're all glad that Aaron Rodgers lost. You know, we mm-hmm. love that look on his face and him getting sacked and everything like that. So that was a good thing. Um, I think the NFC was really watered down this year. Aside from for the 49ers, I think they're a pretty good team. They're legit. I don't know. The Eagles kind of got hit with the injury bug. You know, I think the NFC is kind of watered down uh, to some extent. So I'm glad that uh, the the one good team made it through. And of course, Mahomes, man, he's he's must see TV. So that's exciting. It should be a good Super Bowl. Ryan, how are we feeling? I know you probably agree with Jerry on that last point. Well, I actually agree with him on his first point. I, I I didn't really think about it too much throughout the course of the season, but maybe the NFC was a little bit watered down this year. I think I think Seattle was a legit team. They had some deficiencies though that clearly kind of reared their ugly head in their game against Green Bay, but I thought Green Bay was one of the most fraudulent 13 and 3 teams and that obviously came to fruition in championship weekend because the 49ers jumping out to that 27 nothing lead. I, I agree with you too, Jeremy. Like a lot of the scores didn't seem like they were necessarily close, but they weren't entertaining games. So now yeah. in the Super Bowl we have red team versus red team. <laughs> Great analysis there. Thank you. Well, yeah, I, I think and I don't know if it was necessarily a surprise. I do feel like we 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 all kind of thought both conferences were a little top heavy, right? I feel like we we all agreed that some teams that didn't deserve to get into the playoffs did. You know, the Eagles obviously did f- for winning the division, and 
while, while the Titans didn't really seem like a legit contender, and maybe they weren't with the way that, that the Chiefs kind of handled them, um, at the time, I don't think a lot of people necessarily agreed that they were a strong team coming in. And when you have teams that just, you know, 13 and three teams, 14 and two teams, um, you're, you're going to have a lot of bad and mediocre teams behind them. The one team that I think may have made the NFC a little more contentious is the saints. And I think they just kind of ran into a tough matchup with the Vikings. Um, you know, the Vikings are, were also kind of a, a, a good overall team. They, they certainly gave the, the 49ers a, a better run than the Packers did. Do you think it's fair to say that the Vikings were a better team than the Packers, even though the, I think the Packers swept them this year? Yeah, such I think, a Jeremy question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Thank you. I, I take that like, as a compliment. I feel like they are. You know, everything is lion centric, right? You know, yeah. at least for at least for us. So if if I'm playing these two teams, I have a greater sense of hopelessness when I got to look at uh, Hunter and all these other guys on that defense, uh, as opposed to the Packers. You know, we kind of hung with them both games. They were close. We could have won them. Those Viking games, it, it just didn't seem like we had any chance, really. And I don't even, you know, thinking back, I don't remember if they were close or not, but I'm pretty sure that they were. Not they weren't as close. Yeah, they weren't as close as those Packers games. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the record is what it is. But I would say between the two teams, uh, the Vikings were a little bit better. And I would say if for some reason they would have made it uh, uh, a little bit further, they could have, you know, proven themselves better. I mean, they, they did play the 49ers as well. Uh, they didn't look quite as bad. You know, neither team really stepped up. But I give the Vikings a slight edge this year, despite the record differences. Yeah, the Vikings are truly a quarterback away. Case That's team it? Away. I don't know. I, I This argument has been made so many times, but that year that Case Keenum had is better than any season that really Kirk Cousins could have within reason. pretty good this year, though. No, Kirk Cousins was good this year, but uh, did he show up against the 49ers? Well, what quarterback has? Yeah, well, Russell Wilson. So all I'm saying is, if you're a Vikings fan, maybe you can get Teddy Bridgewater back this offseason. <laughs> all right, chill. <laughs> uh, I want to talk a little bit about Green Bay um, because they, I mean, you put it out there, and I think a, a lot of Lions fans agree that they were a bit of a fraudulent 13 and three team. They didn't deserve to be there, but they got to the conference championship um, that they certainly improved defensively with all their edge rushers. Um, what, what is, what do you think the future of this team is? Cause I threw it out there on Twitter kind of, you know, tongue in cheek. I think the Packers were eight and one in, in one score games this year. And I said, Oh, they're due for regression in 2020. Um, do you guys agree with that? I think yeah, it depends. I think it depends on how they address the skill positions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they certainly deficient at wide receiver right now. They they got Devonte Adams, and you saw the the Niners pretty much take him away all the entire game. And for some reason, Aaron Jones wasn't really a big part of their game plan. Uh, I can't really explain that one, but uh, yeah, I, I certainly think they could use some some offensive weapons that, to help uh, Aaron Rodgers out. But Jerry, you said you, you do think this team is due for some regression. Yeah, I think so. There's a couple of things I look at, you know, when teams, if they do good or bad in a season, it's kind of fluky unless it's just like built into their DNA. One of them is turnovers. So mm -hmm. you, you look at the Bears last year, they had a billion turnovers. Mm -hmm. So they had this good record. Consequently, you know, you're not going to have a billion turnovers two years in a row and they regret, uh, regress. There are some exceptions, like some of those Ravens teams years ago. Uh, but, you know, losing or winning close games, if you lose a bunch of close games or if you win a bunch of close games, traditionally that next season, it kind of evens out. So turnovers, close games, those things, they flip back and forth. So, yeah, they were, like you said, eight and one in those close games. That could I believe very so, yeah. well be, yeah, that could be four and five next year easily, just like that. Yeah, you, you do kind of wonder about that. You do wonder also about where the, the future of the offense is headed. Obviously, it was their first year under a new uh, head coach that's offensively minded. Um, they they were okay offense. I think the big surprise was defensively that they clearly took a step this year defensively. And whether that holds, whether they can continue to get all the turnovers that they did this year, that that does you know kind of lead you to believe that they might regress. But um, all right, let's move on out of Packers and let's just talk about the overall playoffs. What you've learned about the league 
and how it might relate to the Lions. Because I think a lot of people tend to do this, and whether it's right or wrong, you, you take like big macro lessons from the playoffs. You say like, "Oh wow, look at all these passing teams that made it to the playoffs." You must be you have to have a good passing team to to make the playoffs. That's what everyone was saying last year, you know, with the Rams and the Chiefs and and all that. What about this year? Do, are you guys noticing any trends that that might favor or the opposite look look poorly upon this Lions team and, and and the future that they have? Let me start with you, Ryan. I think specifically this playoffs, if it's proven anything to me, it's how important big plays are in the NFL mm-hmm. and making big chunk plays. And I think if you look at any of the success that Kansas City has had in the in the playoffs. Even go back to their game against Houston when they fall when they fall down early on, they're able to put themselves right back into that game by making big chunk plays and by having a quarterback who can move the ball down the field, who wants to throw the ball down the field, having receivers who can stretch the field vertically. You have you have that you have that approach, right? And then you have the approach that San Francisco took to Green Bay's game, you know, last night and Moster and the game that he had. Absolutely incredible with the way that he was ripping off big runs, play after play after play. So it doesn't I, it doesn't matter whether or not you do it through the air or you do it on the ground, but you have to have some big play, some big play players. And I think the Lions have one. I think they have Kenny Galladay and they have Matthew Stafford. But as far as skill position players, there's no carry on Johnson to rely on. I think he's he's proven himself to be a guy who struggles with injuries and. I, I think he's best served in a like in a conditional role, like supplemental in, in in that sense. But I think the Lions need to add more big play players. And if the playoffs have proven anything to me, it's 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 just that the teams that succeed are the teams that can that can move the ball in chunks. How dare you disrespect Marvin Hall like that? Okay, the big play machine. How dare you? He never Very, wants to. He never wants to renegotiate with me in Madden. Every time I try to throw him a contract offer, it's always below what he wants. He wants like a bigger signing bonus, and then he says he's just going to leave. <laughs> well, he like literally every other Lions receiver on the roster right now is signed for one more year. No one signed yeah. beyond twenty twenty, but Hall Hall is back next season. He's still under contract. Um, chat, who's asking that? Uh, Jerry, what are your overall thoughts about the playoffs and and how it might relate to the Lions? Well, just a couple of things, and you know, that's not necessarily because it's the playoffs that brought this to my attention. But you just look mm-hmm. at these rosters, time and time again, these teams are building through the draft, and they're building through getting quality guys in the second and the third rounds. You know, you look at Chris Jones for uh, Kansas City. Um, you look at you know uh, Mahomes, who was not he was a first rounder, but closer toward the middle, and these guys. They build through the draft, man. And as I look at the Lions roster since Bob Quinn has been here, we got some good guys, but how many guys can we really say is just a quality draft pick, whether it's uh, in the second round or later? Not a lot. I mean, Graham Glasgow comes to mind. We're pushing him out the window soon. Uh, Kenny Galladay comes to mind. Just not enough impact. So we tried to really address uh, what the defensive line this year. It wasn't through drafting. It was through free agency. Yeah. And uh, and it didn't really pay. It didn't really pan off as well as if you look at the trade with Snacks Harrison the year before. So we just got to hit on some of these picks, man. The second, third, fourth round. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think they they probably need to do a better job with their first round picks. Um, you look at some of the guys that they've taken in the first round, and they're okay players like Jared Davis, but they're certainly not first round talent. Um, and I know Jared Davis, <laughs> even calling him an okay. I see you guys shaking your head. Uh. <laughs> But he's serviceable. He's, he's serviceable, but right. he's not Which a guy is, that you would want in the first round. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and and that's kind of been that's kind of been a theme so far with with um, Bob Quinn. I, I think Frank Gregg now is the one exception, and and you're talking about a center, not necessarily a high impact position. Uh, that's that's well, I I'd say it's higher impact than most people give it credit for, but definitely not um, one that you know. It's turning people's heads, not a national name or anything like that. Um, the, the one point I wanted to bring up, and it's one that Mansoor brought up on our website today, is the, the prevalence of tight ends. So this this isn't really just to the two teams that are in in the playoff or in the in the championship, but I, I think we saw the use of tight ends 
be pretty prolific throughout the entire playoffs. Obviously, you got Kelsey. Obviously, you got George Kittle in, in the Super Bowl. But you know, Tennessee's offense, Baltimore's offense, were were all really heavily reliant on tight ends, mm-hmm. and you, it makes you wonder if not necessarily T.J. Hawkinson was the right pick, but if he's going to potentially be, if not a superstar, just like a very key cog to this offense going forward. Yeah, I think it's a trend that uh, Matt Patricia probably looked at, and he's right in in a way. I think that he's trying to build a team where, on the surface, it looked like the year before passing, like you mentioned, was the way to go. He's more focused on solid play on the ground, good defense. Well, he didn't have a good defense. The ground play did improve, like you said, the tight end play. You know, most of the top end teams, uh, some of the better tight ends are on some of the better teams. So you could throw Philly in the mix there as well. Um, yeah, that, that's an interesting trend. And, you know, yeah, we can go back and forth on TJ Hawkinson. I personally don't think it was a good pick, but, you know, he has all the makings there to be one of those uh, top guys, you know, whether it's a Kittle, whether it's a Kelsey, he could be, he could be in that ilk in a couple of years. Are you, are you still bullish or bearish on, on Hawkinson, Ryan? Um, I like Hawkinson and I like the idea that the tight end is an important position. I still don't know if I could fully get on board with where the Lions drafted him in the first round last year, but you just wonder how how critical he would be to the Lions' success moving forward because, yeah, he can be a pass catcher. Yeah, he can be a, a, a pass blocker, but there are so many other things that I think that are just critical in order to to build that team. And I know that tight end can can be a worthwhile position, but at the same time, you know, Kansas city had Tyreek Hill, who was, you know, blowing the top off, yep. blowing the top off the, uh, the coverage in, in, in the Kansas city and Tennessee game. And then I, I think with San Francisco, I think they're really well coached and I just don't think the lions are really well coached. So, um, personnel always beats out coaching to me. And we, we talked about this on the midweek podcast and, the only hope is that Hawkinson takes a big leap in year two. And he's the kind of guy who, who really affects the game in, in multiple ways. And I I think, I I think that's the larger thing at play, right? I think you had tight ends on display in the playoffs that not only did things great in one way, but did things great in multiple ways. Whether or not, whether or not they were pass blockers, run blockers, you know, pass catchers, Whatever they were doing, they were doing it at an elite level. And I think that that's where you hope TJ Hawkinson can be. And I think that's where you project him to be. And that's why you draft him as early as you drafted him. But it's it's going to be really important that the Lions hit on that pick. For sure. And I think it just speaks to what we were saying before. The first rounder picks haven't really been out of this world yet for for Bob Quinn. And I think with Hawkinson himself, the, the big jump I want to see him make, because honestly based on everything I saw in the preseason and training camp and even early in the season, I think he's going to be a great receiver. I really do think he's going to be a great offensive threat. I need him to be that two-way player, though, because he wasn't very good as a blocker. He wasn't very good as a pass protector, wasn't very good as a run blocker. That's the big jump I want to see him make in, in year two because I'm, I'm convinced he's going to be a star as a receiver. I really am. And so I'm not, I'm not concerned with that part of his game. And I'm worried about his blocking. Even you know when people were talking about him, you know, in college, he was more of a willing blocker than he was a like a great blocker, even yeah. at the collegiate level. A lot of people, you know, they assume that he was just a great blocker. And, you know, he was good technique wise as as uh, Gronkowski. And he really wasn't. He was willing. And he had flashes of it, but he had some issues even in college. So I agree with you there. You know, when he came to the league, his blocking was it was subpar. So um, that's the biggest thing he's got to work on. You even look at Kittle yesterday. I don't think he caught a pass until like the third quarter. Yeah, but his his, his, his imprint on the game was all over the place, though. You know, if you look at um, what's his name, Mozart, Beethoven, whatever that running back from, <laughs> uh, San Francisco's name is. You know, a lot of those runs he had, Kittle was right in there. You know, getting key blocks. Him and Debo Samuel, another of Pride Detroit crush that we all had. But anyway, <laughs> I, dig- I digress. And yeah, and that's why I think maybe one of the underrated, most important things that happens this offseason is getting a tight ends coach. You know, we're still in the dark there. That's the one offensive coach that they still haven't filled. I think that's a big, a huge 
position that they need to fill. And maybe that's why they're taking their time or maybe they're running into trouble or whatever. We're going to get a little bit into that next segment. But um, I think tight ends coach is a huge hire because they've, they've shuffled through a few in the past couple of years and obviously haven't found one that sticks um, with him. And I mean, Jesse James is still pretty young too. So um, I'd love the line to go out and, and hire a, a, a stud tight ends coach. If, if such a thing actually exists, uh, I, I do think that's one of their most important hires left uh, to make. Can I make a nomination? Do it. Uh, Jermaine Wiggins. Do you, you guys remember him? Old school. He's a tight end. For Kinda, uh, yeah, he played for the Vikings. But okay, so he has a connection with uh, New England. He did play in New England, so Patricia okay. can use that. But uh, cool. I, I, right, already done. Right. <laughs> I would like to bring him in. I, I don't know what his acumen is on coaching or anything like that. But he was a tight end. But his his voice. I was watching the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Uh-huh. He's got like he's got like this raspy New York accent. I think the voice alone, you know, can, can garner some respect from the tight end uh, locker room. <laughs> Jermaine Williams, if you're listening, and he's he's let himself go. He was always a bigger guy, but it's, he would be a nice character to have in the locker room. So I'm saying Jermaine Williams for tight ends coach. I like it. Calling your shot. All right, and with that, we're going to take a break. When we come back. Senior Bowl time. We're going to talk a little bit about, as I mentioned, some of the coaching vacancies that still remain. And then we're going to talk about our favorite guys that are on the Senior Bowl North team, which is what the Lions will be coaching this week. So all that and more when we come back on the POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with the POD cast. It's time for the Senior Bowl preview. It's time to get into it this week down in Mobile, Alabama. Starting really today, we're recording this on Monday. The practices start on Tuesday. The Lions will be hosting the North team, uh, coaching them throughout the week before Saturday's game. It's a big week for them. Um, Obviously, they have a huge advantage being able to coach um, just about 50 different players. And while the senior class isn't necessarily the the meat of the draft class, I think a lot of juniors are are really those kind of top first two round kind of guys. Um, The Lions need to be better in the middle of the draft. So this is a big opportunity for them to kind of get a a leg up on them. And so we wanted to pre, um, present our favorite three. Each of us are going to give three. There might be some overlap. There might not be uh, three prospects from the North team that uh, we're keeping an eye on, um, maybe interested in the lines drafting or, or just seeing how they perform. Um, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'd love to go first. Jump in there. All give right. Me, let's you, do just this. give me one at a time. We're just going to go one at a time and go round round. Okay. Perfect. So here's my first guy. My first guy that I'm super interested for the Lions coaching staff to get their hands on is Jordan Love. And I, I don't I knew, I knew you were going to. I knew it. <laughs> why, why did you know that? Why just, did you know that, Jerry? I, I know you, man. I just, you know, <laughs> I just knew it. When I was looking at the roster, I'm like, Ryan's going to go there. Go ahead. I knew it. All right. You're not doing Shea Patterson, huh? All right, well, cool. Well, well so, he, so here's the thing, and I'll, and I'll go this way, because he checks off all the boxes. I think that <laughs> I think that specifically for the Lions, if you take a look at the guy that they saw in Brad Kaya, I think you see a more talented quarterback 
who did it in spurts more so than Brad Kaya did in college. I think that Kaya mostly made his living off of the fact that he had he had some intangibles and he had the he had the measurables, but they were waiting for him to kind of put it all together. I think for Jordan Love, in his junior year, he had a huge season statistically, but as a senior, he didn't really have the season that everybody was anticipating him having. With that being said, though, I mean, he played for Utah State, and he had the talent around him that he had around him. So I'm interested to see how he projects at the next level. I think he'd probably be a day two pick. If he ends up moving his way up into day one, it's because he had a really good senior bowl and he really impressed at the combine. And some team was willing to maybe even trade up into the second or trade up into the first round to grab him. But I think he's a legitimate target for the Lions to to look at on day two as a potential down the road Matthew Stafford replacement. So you're you're cool with the Lions drafting a quarterback in in the top in in, in day two. I'm cool with Lions drafting a quarterback in the top 100 picks. Yes. You know, what? I'm just I'm just going to let that slide and go to Jerry. Jerry, can you can you cleanse my palate after that, please? Yes, I'll try to cleanse it. I I, I don't want a quarterback that early. However, I will say if we do trade down, which it might you know be likely, we'll have a few more picks. I think at that point, then running back you know, quarterback, kind of more luxury picks coming to play. Let's say if we grab a pick or two from Miami. But uh, the first guy I want to talk about is someone that, although he's a senior, like you said, a lot of times seniors, especially ones going to the senior bowl, are going to be drafted a little bit later. Uh, it's, it's a big fella, Josh Jones from Houston, offensive tackle. He's about 6'7", 300 pounds. And I think, I don't know, he may actually end up going in the first round, depending on how he tests out. Right now he's projected to go in the second or third. Uh, but, you know, if we're looking at the Lions and their positions of need, I would say offensive line, we've got probably three solid, you know, guys we know are returning uh, all on the left side, Decker, Daw, Ragnall. Um, you got a cut candidate in Rick Wagner, so we may need a tackle. And then we know the abomination that's going on with uh, Glasgow. We don't understand it. We don't get it. Doesn't look like he, you know, is going to return. So offensive line is a need. Uh, this guy, Josh Jones, is projected to be a tackle at the next level. Uh, he can play left or right, so he can come in here and compete for right tackle. He was out of shape a little bit last year, his uh, junior year. So he came back uh, this year. You know, he got in better shape. He's a, a a pretty good athlete to be as big as he is. Not the strongest, but uh, more in the mode of the, the more athletic, moving type of uh, offensive lineman. So I would say in the second round, right at the beginning, man, uh, he might be someone that we could target. So we get a closer look at him this week at the senior bowl. That goes nicely into my first pick, which is also an offensive tackle. It's Trey Adams out of Washington. Um, he's kind of an intriguing figure to me because it seemed like he was destined to be a first round pick, uh, destined to be maybe even a, a, a premier left tackle in this league. Um, but injuries hit him pretty hard. And you always have to be careful with injuries, especially with big men. Um, obviously, it, it's a tougher recovery for bigger guys sometimes. And and you never want uh, an injury-prone guy. But the talent is there. And he's healthy now. And I think he's a guy that can really improve his stock this during the Senior Bowl itself, just because he has that opportunity to, to prove that the injuries are part of his past. He'll never, obviously, erase it from his resume. Um, it'll also always kind of be there in the back of people's heads, but this guy has the talent. This guy has the talent to play either side. And like you said, I think Rick Wagner is definitely a, a cut candidate. Um, obviously I think the lines are probably in terms of priority of need, the interior guy is a little more important. None of the guys at the senior role have really jumped out at me as, as necessarily big guys that I want the lines to draft out of, out of the guard position. But Trey Adams is definitely one of those guys that really intrigues me just because of his story, just because of the talent that I know is there. Um, it's just, a, will the Lions, will anyone be able to get it out of him and with, with all the injury concerns? You want to move to number two? Let's, let's go back to Jerry for his number two. So I'm going, off, I, yep. I'm going offensive line again. Okay. Um, so th- this is a guy that could be drafted a little bit later, maybe like in the, about the fifth round, mm-hmm. Matt Hennessy. Uh, he's a, he plays center, but he can, he's projected that he probably could play in the inside as well. He's out of temple, 
Um, he has some concussion concerns, uh, which you know is kind of a red flag. But he does have some good talent. But he fits uh, the mold that uh, Quinn or Quinn Trisha like in terms of the personality profile. I was reading up about him, and it was it was the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer, so they're going to be you know obviously flattering to a hometown guy. But they're saying, you know, as good as he is on the field, off the field, he's just as good. He's a born leader. He's an academic, uh, very coachable. So, you know, those are, you know, all teams like that. But it seems as though Patricia and Quinn put extra emphasis in that. They have such a detailed regimen. They want guys that's going to buy into the system. So he sounds like uh, both from the uh, on the field as well as off the field, someone that kind of fit the profile. So, um, yeah, I, I like him. Matt Hennessy. You know, that's kind of a cool name too. You can get some, you know, Killer Brew and Hennessy. You can you can mix, you know, mix the match those names up a little bit. So he's a guy we could target potentially in the fifth round as a uh, project for right guard. All right, Ryan, let's hear your number two prospect to watch at the Senior Bowl this week. All right, my number two prospect is another skill position player, and it's James Prochet from SMU. Prochet is a really interesting prospect for the Lions specifically just because I don't think they're they're planning on relying on Danny Amendola for the rest of forever. So whether or not they're going to bring him back for another season remains to be seen. But James Prochet, I think, would be a really interesting target for the Lions to 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 look into. I think on day three, it might be as early as the third round, depending on how well he shows up at the senior bowl and how well he does at the combine, but he is just the prototypical slot receiver. He might get pigeonholed there and it might be difficult to see him as anything other than that, but this is specifically what the lions need. And I, I you know, he put up really, really, you know, just staggering numbers this huge senior numbers. year. What's that? Huge numbers. I mean, 15 touchdowns, 1,200 yards. Yeah, 15 touchdowns, 1,200 yards. It's, it, it's really impressive. He played 901 snaps. 423 of them were in the slot, though. So that's why you see him as kind of being that prototypical guy because he measures out at six six foot, 193 pounds. I think that Prochet could be a, a legitimate target for the Lions. Uh, day two, as early as day two, but day three as well. Yeah, I like that. I actually like that choice a lot, even though – We've all gone offense and now two thirds away through both of your lists um, on a team that desperately needs defense. But as I wrote today at Pride of Detroit, like wide receiver is a huge need for this team. I mentioned in this previous segment, they don't have a wide receiver signed beyond 2020, not a single one. Um, And while I think we all probably agree, Kenny Galladay is probably going to get a big payday. The future of Marvin Jones, I don't know. He's about to turn 30. He's he's on the last year of his, his bargain of a deal but are you ready to hand a 30 year old a three or four year extension i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know and and while prochet I, I think as you mentioned will will fit the danny amendola slot, slot thing he, he's also got some versatility i think half of his snaps have been out wide too so he's almost like that germane curse that the lions wanted last year mm-hmm. except he's probably younger and better um so yeah, I, I like that choice a lot. I'll, I'll definitely hope, be keeping an eye on. I will hope he's younger, Jeremy. I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I haven't seen any birth certificates, so I can't be. No, the Ziggy oh, situation. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go defense with my next one because I feel like we we need to. I'm going to go with a local guy, and and maybe this is me just trying not to be biased, but Kenny Willickis, the edge out of Michigan State. Um, Definitely more of a run defender than than a pass rusher, which is definitely not going to get a lot of people excited. But I believe he had nine sacks his senior year, so that's nothing to uh, nothing to shake your stick at. Uh, but he's a guy that he's big, um, 6'4", 260. Uh, he he's fought through some injuries. He broke his leg uh, one year, but he's he's back, he, and I I just think he kind of fits the mold of the kind of the guys that the Lions like, and that he he holds the edge very well. He can probably, you know, he doesn't have to necessarily stick his hand in the dirt every snap. He can he can drop back. And and I think what really kind of sold me on on maybe considering him as a pick is uh, I went through Pro Football Focus's draft guide and his NFL comparison, Rob Ninkovich. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Sold? Sold? It, it works for me. Patricia sold. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, his, his run-stop grade is, is one of the best in the country. Pass rush grade was only 74.3, but um, again, that's not horrible about PFF's measures. It's just not. He's not, if you're looking for that elite pass rusher that has all the pass rush moves, you know, your Joey Bosa's, your Nick Bosa's, your whatever Bosa it's coming out next. <laughs> he's not that guy, but he is a solid two-way player that does have enough uh, abilities, I think, to get to the passer uh, enough. All right, who who wants to give the last one? Uh, I'll go first. In the true spirit of this, like back and forth that we're doing here, uh, Josh Uche from the University of Michigan. For saying local, I think that he could be a really interesting prospect as long as the Lions view him as, view him as a guy who can stand up and be off the ball. He's six two, measures at two hundred and fifty pounds. He seems like he. He might be that big hulking outside linebacker presence that the Lions would want for their for their team, but I, I guess it really just depends on how they view him. And yeah. I think he could kind of be one of those tweeners. He had a really big season with Michigan, had eight sacks, 13 hits, 25 quarterback hurries. He He did it at a high level. I think that he'll be a high pick. I think that he'll be a day two pick, but I think... Say the Lions fall in love with him this weekend at the Senior Bowl. He could be the guy that the Lions end up taking in the second round. And it wouldn't be like Tavai necessarily, but it would be kind of a shock to see them take him as high as that. But it just depends on how they view him. That's fair. I wonder I wonder if he would be a a candidate to be that Jack linebacker role in Detroit because you know, I, I don't think they're they're in love with Devon Kennard, and he's only under contract, I think, two more yeah. years. And we'll see the development of Austin Bryant. Obviously, he's kind of the the successor in in line right now, but didn't play that great in what little he did play in in his rookie year. But um, you know, he he's definitely a guy that I think can play off ball as well. So um, yeah, I think I think it's just a matter of fit with Uche. I'm not sure where he would fit into the Lions' plans, but he does have talent. So uh, I think I think you're you're right on there. Uh, Jerry, let's hear your last prospect to watch from the Senior Bowl. My last guy is uh, someone we could probably get like in a sixth round or so. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Logan Wilson. It's a linebacker out of Wyoming. So uh, the sarcastic side of me says he's a big, slow linebacker. So that fits the <laughs> mode of what we like, um, uh-huh. and, and, which, which he is. But the, the good part of him is that he was super productive in his senior year. Uh, pro Football Focus had him on their first team All-American, te- uh, you know, their pro football team. Uh, he had 100 tackles. He had four interceptions, which is pretty good. He had, if I recall correctly, about 10 tackles for loss. He had a couple of sacks. So he's kind of a, a do-it-all linebacker. He's not going to wow you at the combine with his physical traits. But when he gets on the field, you know, he does some of everything. So he's not going against the best competition, granted, playing at Wyoming. Uh, but, you know, super productive. A high character guy and a pro football focus said he has a chance to, you know, probably get on the practice squad and turn some heads. So we'll get an extended look at him this week. And uh, he's someone that, you know, we may be looking at later on in the draft or even as a UDFA. All right. My last prospect look, we got to go move. We got to get some secondary guys in there. We know cornerback is a big need for this team. And we know that the Lions like Iowa a lot. They like everything that comes out of Iowa. They like their coaching staff there. They probably have a good connection there. So I'm going with Michael Ojemundia out of Iowa, the cornerback. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, he doesn't have a ton of ball skills. He, he has six interceptions in the past two years, but he's definitely got the, I think, I think he has the potential to be a lockdown corner. I really do. Um, <clears throat> had a 83.4 uh, PFF grade last year. Only allowed a passer rating of 55.6. Um, and in terms of like the size, he's, he's got what the Lions want. You know, that, that over six foot guy, he's six foot one, 200 pounds. He's big, physical. Um, I think he has more, uh, I think he has a lot more promise than, than a guy like Amani Orarie. And I'm, I'm sorry, Alex Reno, if you're listening. Uh, but I, I really like his game a lot. I think. Uh, I'm, I'm intri- interested in what and how he performs this week because I really think that the Senior Bowl South team has a lot of good wide receivers, so he's going to get a lot of challenge. He's going to get challenged a lot in in this game in this week. So 
uh, he's definitely the the guy I'm looking for the most in the secondary on that North team this weekend. He'd be a good uh, all name bracket, you know, candidate as well. Oja, whatever you just said. Oja Mundia. I do like how that sounds. It's very there's good. A, there's a tight end, and uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name. It, it's a lot of uh, syllables <laughs> in there, a lot of consonants that, um, you know, I don't think we need a tight end, but, you know, if, if we were to draft him, it, it, man, that, I, I don't know. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up how to pronounce it because I don't want to try. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's crazy. I think it's like uh, like some rap lyrics or something. I think it's like, I don't know if you guys remember that song, Look At Me Now, when Buster <laughs> Rhyme starts rapping really, really fast. <laughs> I believe that's what that guy's last name is. It's, it's Charlie Tomopea is is how draftcountdown.com says, out of Portland if State. If you say Tomopea. I'll go with it. <laughs> I I like that name, too. Um, all right, to, to finish up our, our senior bowl segment, I want to talk about the Lions coaching situation. Um, Tim Twentyman put out a tweet on Monday afternoon saying that it basically sounds like the Lions are going to go into the senior bowl without their, their full staff. Um, or at least that's, that's what he anticipates. Basically they're still missing that tight ends coach that we talked about before. They still don't have a linebackers coach. They don't have a DBs coach and they don't have a spe- a full strength and conditioning staff. My question to you guys is, are you simply worried about that or is it not a big deal? I mean, I'm not overly worried. Um, you're going to bring in someone that fits the philosophy that they want anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, Quinn's there, the scouts are there, Patricia's there. Uh, this new guy, was it Corey Underlin or mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's there. So, you know, they're not going to hire someone that is going to go contrary to what they want to do. So the foundation's there, you know, position, it'd be nice to have them there, but I'm not losing any sleep over it. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to freak out about it. I think what you mentioned earlier, Jeremy, when it comes to getting the right tight ends coach specifically in place, you know, having the right guy there for TJ Hawkinson, why rush the process? Why hurry up and hire somebody just to have them there for the senior bowl when, as Jerry just mentioned, you have all of the important decision makers already at the senior bowl. So what does it matter if you have another positions coach or you have another whoever it is that still needs to be hired. Yeah. And I think I'm with you guys. I'll I'll make it three in a row here. The one thing I will say is there's a little bit of concern creeping up that maybe they're having trouble filling these positions. They've had almost a full month now um, to do it. Uh, And, and you wonder the the situation in Detroit is definitely not necessarily a, a one that maybe a coach would jump at. We've, we've talked about it before on the podcast. Like it does kind of feel like a one year trial, right? Because if things don't work out with this crew next year, everyone could be gone. And I'm sure people that are, you know, interviewing with Detroit know that. But overall, in terms of like what they're missing out at the Senior Bowl, I don't think it's much. Um, These guys aren't going to be the ones that are making roster decisions. These aren't going to be the guys that are going to have a big say in the draft war room. These are just guys that are there to to coach up players. And and the Lions have a filled out enough coaching staff where they're, they're not going to be hindered. I don't think by what they can do with the senior bowl. I thought we were set on Jermaine Wiggins for our tight ends coach. You guys, <laughs> you guys aren't with me on that. All right. I see how it is. We'll see. We'll see. All right. And with that, I think it's time to end segment two. That's our senior bowl preview. We'll have more senior bowl coverage next week when the senior bowl is over, maybe to talk about talk with some people that were there uh, and get a full recap of, of the week's events. But for now, that's our preview. When we come back, it's mailbag time. We got a lot of questions this week. We're going to answer them all when we come back. Mail And we are back with the mailbag. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't do the, the intro right. Mailbag. There we go. <laughs> At hashtag SPOD for all your Detroit Lions or life-related questions. You can send it to us anytime you want on Twitter. Fridays usually is our Ask POD post. You can go over there, FridayDetroit.com, and submit your questions there if you're in our comment section. And if you are, 
We appreciate you. We love our comment section. Uh, before we get into this week's questions, I do want to jump into our reviews. That's what we're going to start doing again, start reading our reviews because we've had a couple pour in and they've been very nice and uh, uh, we appreciate that. And it obviously always helps us a little bit the more reviews you can get. So if you haven't reviewed us yet, head over to Apple Podcasts, drop a review, say some nice things. If you want to throw some constructive criticism in there too, that's all right. Just be constructive about it. Don't be destructive. Um, let's let's start with cab.butler. Gives us a five-star review, so that's one of my favorite shows. Jeremy, who hosts the show, is, je- is seriously underrated line speed writer. Thank you. Great blend of realism and optimism makes the show great listen. Sad that the show's creator, Chris Perfett, is gone. Uh, I'm going to skip over some other parts of it. Uh, First Bite is an awesome segment that getting views from opposing teams. The only way this improves is by bringing in more Lions experts, a la writers, a la Jeff Risden, Kyle Monkey, and or players. Promise you we're going to have some more guests, especially in the offseason when you have a little more time to book them. Uh, it's tough during the regular season to to book guys just because, you know, it's a very specific schedule we work on. Um, we were able to get Mike Rothstein last year during the season. Uh, we'll see if we can expand upon that this year, though. Appreciate the review. One more, and then we'll jump into the questions. Uh, from Dan the Man 138 also gives us a five-star review. Says, farewell to Chris. Wish you the best. We'll definitely miss your sports media drops. Summer of sickness and adequacy. Mostly, you will be missed for your opinions on fried food and specifically mozzarella sticks. You are wrong, Jeremy. I'm not. Uh, excited for the future of the pod and hope to hear more from John Kent, uh, especially as a draft nears. Keep up the good work and keep putting out content. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Again, uh, head over to Apple Podcasts, drop a review. We'll, we'll read it as long as you're being nice to us. Uh, even, even if you have some criticism, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. If you're nice about it. Anyways, you guys ready for the mailbag? Let's do it. Yes, right, sir. We're going to start from our comment section. Critical perspective asked, there hasn't been a cornerback drafted in the top three in over 20 years. To what extent does that scare you in, in regards to Jeff Okuda as a possible pick at number three? It doesn't scare me at all. And okay. I'll tell you the reason it doesn't scare me is because in the past 20 years, the game of football has changed drastically. Okay. And yeah. I think that when we start talking about positions of importance, earlier, Jeremy, you talked about how, yeah, Frank now he's an important player, probably an underrated player because center is an important position. But it's the same reason why we see Graham Glasgow being let go in free agency. And whether or not that's something that the Lions are prioritizing or they're viewing as an inefficiency in the rest of the league is the games are won on the boundaries. And when you start talking about the boundaries, you're talking about big name wide receivers, big players at at that position. You're talking about cornerbacks. You're talking about safeties. You're talking about quarterbacks. So I think cornerback is a position that will steadily move up the draft ranks. We saw, um, Denzel Ward get drafted by the Browns pretty high, not yep. too, not, not too long ago. So, yeah. So I, I think that the lions, if they are stuck at three and chase young, isn't there, I think Jeffrey Okuda is a very realistic possibility. And I think that he's a possibility that lions fans should be okay with as a progressive move, not as a traditionalist move. Jerry, how do you feel about a corner at three? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. I think, you know, it's kind of like semantics. Okay, a guy hasn't been drafted top three at cornerback in 20 years, but you've had guys drafted like four or five. Yeah. Uh, Denzel Ward is right there, Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Peterson, Morris Claiborne. So, I mean, at that point, you're just kind of looking at a number. We've had cornerbacks drafted really high. So whether it's three or four or five, that's kind of the same range in my opinion. Uh a lot of those guys have panned out too, except for Morris Claiborne, who he's, you know, he had a, a decent career, but a lot of the guys that's been drafted earlier have looked pretty good. I mean, Denzel Ward, especially his rookie year, looked pretty good. Uh, Patrick Peterson headed to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jalen Ramsey looks pretty good. So if you're considered to be a top five uh, ish cornerback, you, uh, you check a lot of the boxes, and Jeff Okuda does. So yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. Go for it. And that's, you know, to me, after quarterback, most important positions are probably offensive tackle, defensive end, and cornerback. They're all in that range of, like, some of the most important positions. So if you can get a lockdown guy, 
uh, especially with the uh, the uh, the accolades that Akuda's getting. Yeah, go for it. You guys nailed that. You you hit on every single point I was going to make. So I'm just going to say, hey, I agree with both of you. Good job. Uh, let's move on. Let's let's get a silly question in here from beer enthusiast on on Twitter. He asks, weirder obsession slash debate. Pineapple on pizza or wings versus boneless wings? Which one is the the weirder obsession? Mm. Jerry, you got an answer for this? Uh, which one is weirder? I don't I, know. I mean, it's kind of like I, I, I don't. I guess I don't. I don't. Let me just say, I don't understand the hate for pineapple on pizza. I think yeah, that's I like, why. I, yeah, I like. Like, it. I don't. What? Why is everyone so upset about it? Like, just you know, I think I think people I think people get upset about it because people make it a prerogative. Like they they determine that like just because they like pineapple on pizza that I, I think a lot of people they internalize that and think that every single time you order a pizza you want to put pineapple on it. It's <laughs> like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that right. like pineapple on pizza is a good thing. I don't want it all the time. That's not my favorite topping. But with that being said bone the boned in versus boneless wings debate is one that is really i think you're really actually just having a debate on whether or not you're okay with b-dubs or not (laughs) that's a good point i think my contention with that debate is simply i don't think boneless wings are wings like i don't think it's fair to even call those wings like you if you enjoy boneless wings over regular wings fine but don't call them boneless wing call them chicken nuggets that's what they are. <laughs> yeah, I would say chicken with the chicken wing uh, debate is weirder because I mean, typically, you know, adults shouldn't be arguing or debating with kids, and clearly, you have to be a kid to like boneless wings over <laughs> bone in. So yeah, it, it's yeah. it's weirder. I mean, you know, you don't you don't want to be a grown man arguing with a little baby. It just doesn't it just doesn't look right. <laughs> Not a good look. Not a good look. All right, next question comes from our our Packers frenemy. Call me Matub. And this goes back to a, a conversation we kind of had earlier. Yes. Are you guys drafting a quarterback high this year? And I guess my question is how high is, is, is too high for drafting a quarterback? And, and Ryan, you said before, are you sticking with like date is, is a round two too early for a quarterback? I think round two might be too early. And if round two is too early, then you're not going to draft Jordan Love. I think that he's going to price himself out in the second round. I don't think he'd be available in the third round. So second round is too high, but third round is I want to Goldilocks it and I want to say that it's just right. But at the same time, I don't know if you're going to find a quarterback that that fits that fits the talent level of a, a third round pick. So it's, it's going to be no to answer your question, Matube. No. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's too early and you know, you always go back and forth. I guess when you're playing this off season out in your mind as if I'm the GM versus what the lions will do, you know, right. and ultimately what really has to win is kind of what you think they'll do mixed in with a little bit of what you want. And, and so we know they're in win now, and I think they're going to be really attacking uh, positions that that can help them in the future, but it has a little bit more of an immediate uh, immediate impact. So I think they'll put an emphasis on a backup veteran this year in the case Stafford gets hurt. And um, that being said, I don't think a quarterback being drafted early is, is super high priority. No, I don't think it is either. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't really care about backup quarterback that much either. I, I know that sounds weird to say after a season which Stafford lost eight games, but to me, to get a backup to look good, to win games, you need a better supporting system. You need a better defense. You need better receivers, a better running game. Jeff Driscoll could have won them a couple games last year, but the defense sucked. I think David Blau could win a couple games for this team, but the defense, not with the way the defense currently is, so... If the Lions re-sign Jeff Driscoll, I'm totally fine with that set of quarterbacks going forward. I really am. I don't think they need to put extra resources in it. I don't buy into this. You need a developmental backup stuff. Um, when has that ever worked out? It, it doesn't work out that often. The, the teams that you saw rely on backup quarterbacks in 2019 outside of the New Orleans Saints, they succeeded only because they had a good overall team, a good well-rounded team. 
And you, I mean, you can go the New Orleans Saints route and, and spend a lot on Teddy Bridgewater. And I know one, one person in this crew would love the lines to go a route like that, but I just don't Ooh. think it's, it's good spending. <laughs> not going to say. All right. <clears throat> All right. Let's get into the next question. Ryan, uh, would, he, Ryan would want Brian Leftwich right now. 2020 <laughs> for, reason, for reasons we won't get into. He's a coach. <laughs> You'd be down. Also, with he's tough as hell. <laughs> Put the Cordell Stewart, you know, it, <laughs> Charlie Batch. He's, he's, he's with it. He's with it, man. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from David Mara on Twitter. He asks, "Is it more satisfying to see Aaron Rodgers get sacked really disrespectfully deep in his own territory on third down, or throw a dramatic pick downfield?" The sack because the slow mo, you know, like the, the little, uh, like the faces that people make when they get sacked, like, yes. or or I think, I think there was one the year before when Deshaun Hand was was about to sack him and he had this mm-hmm. look of horror on his face. And when he throws a pick or if it's a turnover on downs, he just has this deflated, you know, he always looks like a, a, a DB, not a defensive back, but uh, <laughs> he always looks like that anyway. It's it's just intensified when he throws a pick. Or if you know his team disappoints him, but the the look on his face or any quarterback's face when they get sacked in slow motion, you got to go with that man. It's just pure pain. I'm willing. I'm willing to take the Aaron Rodgers that in whatever situation is blaming his teammates for his poor performance. <laughs> so like any situation, then <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can prioritize him getting sacked and being upset with like the pass protection and him like pointing at like an offensive lineman and telling him to do his job or maybe um, a receiver runs a different route than he thought. So he throws an interception and then all of a sudden he's barking at the wide receiver. Like I just prefer Aaron Rodgers imploding his team from within. Like that's my favorite Aaron Rodgers is the Aaron Rodgers that is ruining everything <laughs> from within. <laughs> Also, uh, I saw somebody earlier on Twitter uh, tweet something about how the 49ers have been to more Super Bowls than, <laughs> than the Packers have been after selecting the quote-unquote wrong quarterback in 2005. Yeah. So I I really do appreciate that. That is a great status, especially with that quote from Aaron Rodgers as they're going to be more, you know, more pissed off about not picking me than I am for them. Yeah, yeah, and that's awesome. Also, I think Alex Smith is an honorary um, my type of quarterback. <laughs> Just much like Travis Kelsey, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's your favorite tight end. It's your favorite tight end, isn't it? <laughs> See, this is a tough question for me to answer because on the interception, they they obviously got a a pass interference call, and then on the sack, they obviously got a roughing the passer call. So either way, doesn't count, unfortunately. Oh, real quick, we're talking about honorary your favorite quarterbacks. What about uh, that, that dude from Denver? What's his name? Drew Lock. Drew Lock. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this FNH is not a fraud. Go to my bodyguard. <laughs> Oh man, I played that back so many times. <laughs> I thought about I thought about you as soon as I seen. I was thinking something like, you know, is he is he allowed to be on your list now? Yeah, I quote tweeted it and I said QB one. I think that he's he's right up there with. Um, if I'm going to power rank AFC West quarterbacks, I recently saw some of the takes that Patrick Mahomes had, which is a bummer. But like him and Drew Lock are actually one A and one B. Oh. If you think about it, for based on the things that you look for, I think Drew Locke might be above Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> if we're really, you know, breaking it down, especially if you close, if you close your eyes and just listen to him. Come on. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> All right, let's yes. move on to a new new question here. Also, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on, okay. hold on, hold on. Before we get into the new question, the one thing yeah. I want to bring up about AFC West quarterbacks, which I think could also have a play on what's going on in Detroit Lions land, is that Phillip Rivers moved his family to Miami. Oh, interesting. You think Miami's trying to reboot with Phillip Rivers? Well, maybe for a year. Do you see how close how close they became over like the course of the season? I think that you put in a competent quarterback. Maybe 
maybe they don't want to take a quarterback at five. Maybe they want to take a quarterback in the second round. Maybe they want to do the whole developmental thing. Maybe they want to, maybe they want a year of Phillip rivers and see what we can do with, you know, a, a quote unquote, like franchise quarterback. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that it's the right move. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's the right move. All I'm saying is that it's a move that they could make. Well, they could end up with Jeffrey Okuda or Derek Brown or, you know, whoever it is at number five. A year of Phillip Rivers, though, would mean you could rest Tua for that year. So that's an option still, I would say. You, you could sit Tua and let, let him, you know, heal up for that full yeah. season. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. You, you, could still, you could still get Phillip Rivers in free agency and then also have Tua at number five. Or you can have Tua at number three. Or two. You can just trade or two. Get him. Just you know, just let us get Chase Young. <laughs> just as long as, he, as long as it's at three or in front. That's it. There you go. Move up to number one to take Tua. Be sure. bold. Be that bold. Works as well. Be on the right side of history. Yeah. Works for the <laughs> Bears, right? Uh, David Alexander <laughs> at David <laughs> Alexish asks, what advice would you give Quinn, Bob Quinn, for free agency in the draft? Not necessarily specific players, but just a general philosophy. Stop. Take more risks. Yes. Take more stop, risks. stop drafting such low ceiling players. Yeah. <laughs> Same concept, yeah. Okay, but I mean, hmm. I was gonna say a guy like Tease Tabor is is a counter example of him taking a risk and it not working out. But uh, what what do you what do you mean by taking a risk? So like players that have red flags, players that have injury histories. It, to me, it seems like they just automatically write guys off if they have different character things or, mm-hmm. you know, different issues. And so that was another thing that crossed my mind back to that question you asked earlier. You look at these teams that are winning. I mean, you know, they, they took risks. Tyreek Hill, uh, Frank Clark. I mean, I get it. And some things you, you might not want to, you know, settle on. But at some point, you know, a lot of these winning rosters are going to have a guy or two that maybe had some character things that maybe – you look at them and you say, we can coach them. Our atmosphere can help them overcome it instead of just completely writing guys off. So, yeah, I mean, so like kind of like the Patriots, you know, they're, they're willing to take a risk on Antonio Brown. Bad, bad example, but same kind of philosophy right. where you, you have belief in your system, mm-hmm. in your environment that, that I don't want to say bad people, but, you know, people that are going through some things. Can, Randy Moss was a risk when they brought him in. He yeah. had character things, <clears throat> things like that. So, yeah, sometimes that pays off, man. You know, take a few more risks. We need we we need some some playmakers badly. We need some playmakers badly. Is that what you're gonna say, Ryan? Essentially, well, that's what the playoffs have taught me. Lions need playmakers, and they have one. They have Kenny Galladay so far. Fair, although Marvin Jones can. I mean, no, you can make a case for, but. <clears throat> All right. Uh, next question from our friend Beast F Ball on Twitter asks, would you eat a whole bag of mozzarella sticks if it meant that the Lions would win the Super Bowl? Well, I like mozzarella sticks, so yeah, I do it. I, I, I know you got your thoughts on them, Jeremy, so that even if, what, what What if it was like a the frozen TGIF brand? You still cool with that? Yeah, like. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. It, they're almost in the same vein of like you know. I don't like them as much as pizza, but I, it, like, there's no such thing as bad pizza. Little Caesars is good pizza to me. It's just varying levels of good. That's where I'm at with mozzarella sticks. I mean, they're not really like a gourmet thing, so you can get it from a Seven Eleven or you can get it from TJF Frozen. They they kind of taste similar. Yeah, I, I do that for sure. But would you do it, Jeremy? That's the question. Well, we'll get to that. But what if what if I said no no marinara sauce, no dipping sauces? No, that's Does cool. that change I, it. Yeah, I just I just yeah, I can do that. That's no problem. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Yeah. You, before I give my answer, Ryan, you have had experience <laughs> on Facebook Live, a Pride of Detroit stream, eating mozzarella sticks and hating every second of it. How do you answer this question? <clears throat> I think mozzarella sticks are for the feds. I really do. Um, I I view them in the same way that you view them. They they are a wonderful conduit in order to get marinara sauce in my mouth. <laughs> yep. 
At the same time, I would eat four bags of mozzarella sticks if it meant that the Lions were going to be in the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Like, yes, I can. No, I can definitely put down enough fried cheese (laughs) to, to get my team to the Super Bowl. Now, as Jerry mentioned, the question is, Jeremy, whether or not you would be able to put down that type of mozzarella stick to see your team in the the grand the, the the biggest game of them all the big game i'm afraid we've run out of time uh <laughs> thanks for, no, no, i'm just i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> of course i'd do it come on if if i had to make a deal with the devil like i mean it's not like i'm mike vrabel here i'm getting off easy compared to him <laughs> no this is true <laughs> i'll take mozzarella i'll take I don't know about three. Three bags. I just got off of some food poisoning yesterday. If I ate three bags of mozzarella sticks, I would be, as long as, like, I mean, as long as I don't miss the Super Bowl. I feel like if I ate mozzarella sticks for the Lions to win the Super Bowl, I'd be sick long enough where I wouldn't see them win the Super Bowl. I've had mozzarella sticks from Burger King. I or One time I ordered, I don't know, it was like a death wish. I ordered a taco and mozzarella sticks from Burger King. <laughs> the tacos are horrible. Why do you Why do you not care about yourself, Jerry? Like, I don't know, man. I, I, he- I heard you say I ordered tacos and I ordered mozzarella sticks from Burger King. And the only thing I truly heard was I don't care about myself. It's a cry, it was a cry for help. It was. It really I ordered, was. I ordered them. I ate them. I would wait for someone to kind of reach out and help me. You know, but it, it never happened. I would report the employee for allowing you to order that and not be like, you know what? No, we, I know it's Burger King. You can have it your way, but that does not include that. That's off the board. Yeah. She was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. You're like, yeah, fuck me up. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it for the pride of Detroit podcast this week. Thank you for listening. Jerry, thanks for coming back. We always appreciate you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Looking forward to doing a little bit more. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hit up a couple of videos around yeah. draft time. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get a couple of videos going. So I'm looking forward to it. This is this is my time of year, man. I love draft season. That makes one and a half of us, I think. I'm the <laughs> other half. I think so. <laughs> Maybe a quarter of us each. Yeah. Ryan, thank I'm you for joining us as well. Appreciate you being flexible this week. I'm just happy to have Jerry on. I think that the more podcasts we have Jerry on, the quote unquote wizenator, we uh, we're we're all the better for it. And thank you, dear listener, for listening this week. We're going to come back. I think we're going to have our midweek podcast. Hopefully, maybe have some news to report. We'll see some preliminary Senior Bowl stuff, and then we'll obviously be back. Hopefully, on Sundays again, uh, everything permitting. Uh, and oh, we'll 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 have to talk about some some awesome Pro Bowl stuff happening this weekend. Who's excited for that? We want to do like a, a special Pro Bowl podcast. Ryan Matthews has hung up the Uber conference call. I'd rather eat a Burger King nacho. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you star side. Subscribe. Bye. Bye.